Pilu. Oh, Courtney, I've been making more of the movie song questions for you. <gasps> oh my god, well, I have a little treat for us. I can't say too much because I'm going to spoil the, oh. our dinner, but... Oh, this is just for leisure because I feel like you deserve some. These are for leisure as well. Everything's for leisure. Aw. If you think about it. For her comfort. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just You're a lotion a, hands. I just put a gentle listen. Rib, ribbed for her pleasure. Would you rather than be dry? <laughs> Don't say ribbed for her pleasure. Hey, now that you're a Hey Riddle Riddle stan, did you listen to the newest episode? Welcome to Art Farts, the sexiest podcast on the internet. I just heard my <laughs> stomach growl that out loud. That was my stomach. That was your stomach. I felt it in mine. That was me for sure. I lift our shirts. They're connected. <laughs> our stomachs are connected. Our shirts. I sewed them together. We're like brothers, only closer. closer. All right. Too many references. So just one, but it's too many. <laughs> We're getting too sued. <laughs> too many for me. Um, I want everyone to know just off the bat, I do have a bubble tea coming to my door <laughs> within the next half an hour, and I will be taking an intermission to go grab it to bring it back to the stable. Is like someone delivering it <laughs> directly into your house? Or yes. Like... Yeah, DoorDash has this new feature now, and they you just put your feet up <laughs> on the couch just... and they hand it to you. And they just come into the house? Yep. And then they drink it with you. They have it with you. DoorDash <laughs> has this new f- feature now where they break and enter. It's called DoorDash <laughs> Share, and it's they want to share a meal with you. And so you have to leave your door unlocked or leave the key under the mat. Um, I'm choosing to leave the door unlocked so whoever wants to join us can, I'm, and they will be on the podcast. I'm choosing to leave the key on top of the mat. <laughs> um, I just really want them to be able to find it. The door is unlocked, but the key's for them for later. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm in love with my DoorDash driver. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Okay. Um, they're not even All right, there it's yet. out there. I'm Courtney. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm uh, Leanne. The... I'm Andrew. I put our introductions before I told them what this podcast was. Them. <laughs> that was the hook. What is, what is this podcast? Oh, Can you tell me? Yeah, good question. This podcast is called Art Farts. Um, and essentially it's where us farts, um, the names you just heard before, talk about art. What kind of art, you may ask? We don't teach you how to make art. We're not going to tell you about art in the future. We tell you about art history's past. We tell you about the movements, the events, the artists, the pieces, and some other good stuff. And and what are our qualifications? Um being farty. Oh, I'm gassy for sure. I guess we got that down. Bring farties hmm. to the parties. Don't uh remember putting that on my resume, but I I, I mean, I guess so. Well, you I do. That's right. You have two resumes. So are you looking at your your fart resume or your other one? Oh, that's my mistake. Oh, that's my mistake <laughs> resume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my uh, that's my fake resume that I used to throw people off. <laughs> uh, so essentially, we're not qualified to do anything but talk poorly about things on the internet. I genuinely, I don't know if we're even qualified for that. Yeah, truly. Um, so sorry for our delay, but we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be better. At least I think so.
Oh my I'm mean, we'll sorry. <laughs> Courtney, Courtney has this like jelly hot dog dog <laughs> <laughs> like fidget toy and it's little one of its paws was hanging off the table and I had to reach over her lap to fix it. You can't just record a podcast when his legs hanging off like that. I got to fidget while I'm talking or else my hands are going to go everywhere. I'm going to be hitting the mic. I'm going to be hitting Leanne. I should have brought my lotion bar. <laughs> you said you were. I, f- I was like, I feel like I don't want to get oil all over the place. <laughs> that might be for the best. Yeah. Um, anyway, don't. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> do we? Ha- I have a few more introductions, but is there oh. any other introductions anyone else has got here for us? Whoa, how many more people are there to introduce? I thought it was just us three. The hot dog dog does want to say hi. Uh, okay, fair enough. Hi. <laughs> oh, I was I was on the edge of my seat waiting for what noise was going to come out of you. <laughs> I was going to go high pitch, but I was like, that doesn't fit. It sounds like well, you I'm have more introductions, that they don't make though. Wait. Appearance. I have more oh, introductions. Sorry. Oh. oh, sorry. Oh, oh wait. You know what? Oh. Can I throw one of these in? Wait, one second. Yeah. One second. Can I throw one of these in? Thank you. Ooh. A whole, I don't know, like... Eight oh. minutes without a fart sound? That's kind of criminal. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Evan will throw some more in before we... Before. Um, yeah, I got some other things to say. Yeah. We we started doing this thing a few... Ses- sessions? Oh, my God. My work brain's on. A few... Um, <laughs> a f- therapy life. A few episodes ago um, where we did, like... This day on art history, 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 history. We don't have a name for it yet, nor do we have any sounds for it. Let me just throw another fart in there real quick. But I did want to say that um, recently, in date-wise, but um, a long time ago, (laughs) year-wise, the Metropolitan Museum of Art was formed in New York City. So that's our this day on art history, but it's not actually today. It was like maybe a week ago. 80 years ago. I don't know, I don't even know how long ago it was. I didn't look at it. You you none of this information is even anything. <laughs> <laughs> you you basically just said at some point a while ago the Metropolitan Museum opened. Uh, you know what? And it's true. But it was in April, I guess is what I'm trying to tell you. Um 1870 okay. actually in New York, New York. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I don't remember exactly, it wasn't, like, late April, I'm gonna say, April, let's say April 20th, let's go 420, okay, I don't know if that's true, Whoa. but I'm gonna say 420, 1870, so that's a lot more than 80 years ago, um, it was made, <laughs> and so for a little piece of trivia, um, and a little, maybe a little clap back, how, how much money do you think New, the New York Metropolitan Museum makes a year? A year? Off of, not um... off of, and, and not any... This is just strictly not any illegal activity, just from admissions, donations. Whoa, wait. What? What, what illegal activity? Listen, if you want to talk, we can talk about opioids within the, the New York Metropolitan Museum, but that's for is a different that a episode. Thing? Um, is the museum selling um, them? Wait. We... Sorry, I thought Evan's laptop turned <laughs> off, but I was like, they caught us. a nightmare. They caught us. <laughs> they found us. Um, break in through the door. I don't want to like speak out of like I I, I don't want to make you know. I, okay. I, you can I, say uh, anything. Fair, no, I get it. I no, I get it. No, no, no. Leanne, we don't want to get in trouble or anything. Uh, I I no, I'm not a hundred percent sure. 
this is what I remember from college is that the the current owner or like a recent owner of the Metropolitan Museum of Art is the same guy that caused the opioid crisis. Um, oh. who's in in pharmaceuticals who kind of started pushing pushing that drug uh, as a painkiller um, in order to profit and that's how he afforded to buy the Metropolitan Museum and so a lot of their ties are in illegal activities um, mm. and from that I'll tell you from that because the, the amount of money they make from other things is a lot less but they made 13 billion dollars off of that a year um, 13 billion dollars? 13 billion dollars I was I was actually gonna say I was gonna say like two hundred billion dollars or something as a but I guess I wasn't like too far off. For so just like just from donations and just from admissions and like moving art around, how much do you think they make a year? It's still a crap ton of money, but it's a lot less than thirteen billion. Um, I'm gonna say two billion. It's a, it's lower. I was gonna say like in the millions. It is in the millions. Okay, and then it's uh, it's nine hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. We're doing what is, we're doing. Prices right, Leanne. Take your guess. I whatever Andrew just said just erased my brain. <laughs> He's saying close to as close. Andrew's answer is as close to a billion as possible. Mamadi is approaching with my DoorDash order, and. And he's going to come inside. <laughs> My body's <laughs> approaching the room. With I am already in the house. You can hear him stomping in the hallway. He's so angry. Um, I'm avoiding answering this. Uh, I, I, 10 million? No. Again, this is prices. Price is right. So if you guess any number below Andrew, I'm going to tell you. 10 million. Gonna... <laughs> Wait, I'm how does this you... work? Wait, how does price of prices right work? Well, if we're both above, then we both lose. No, you're above. Leanne's below. Okay, then Leanne wins. It is five hundred million dollars a year. That's what's up. Ah. Uh, but da, 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 I want da, 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 I want everyone to know da, da. that from admissions only, that is only fourteen percent. Um. 14% of that five hundred million is from admissions, and they are still charging the good public over $25 to um to enter the uh, Metropolitan and Museum what about of Art. the bad public. <laughs> the they get nothing. No. Um but yeah, I've always been for the Metropolitan lowering their prices to make art more accessible because mm-hmm. they definitely have it within their capabilities because they have so much money and also they are a house for primarily old art so really what they're not paying their artists so um yeah, yeah. and also the art's old so like who cares anymore who cares anyway? Just let like people go see let it people like, see it yeah that art's outdated yeah yeah um but i also like partially never know what i'm talking about but at the same time i just think art needs to be more accessible um and speaking of that i actually I was supposed to do. I want to shout out this TikToker because they were on my for you page after our last, um, our last episode where we were talking about um the lovely woman who um was collaging. Andrew, do you remember her name? What is her name? Um, 
Wow, you really put me on the spot here. It doesn't um, matter. It doesn't no, matter. No, I, I do remember her name. Let me just, just give me enough time, the amount of time that it would take me to go look at my notes. I do remember it. It's Hannah Hawk. Yeah, and Hannah Hawk. Straight, straight from memory. So this um, TikToker is 0R1, and then it's Anna, but it's A-N-A-A-A. Um, and they go by she, her, um, and she made this beautiful collage, um, about her memories that she left out for too long. So they grew mold and the mold is replicated with embroidery. And so it's yarn and string, um, and it's so beautiful. And I commented on it and I was like, I, we have an art podcast can we throw you out because we were just talking about incorporating collaging can we with throw you out can we throw oh my god can we can throw we... you to the dogs uh that's what it feels like being on this podcast though so hey hey um but i i feel kind of bad now putting putting her after me complaining about uh, art institutions um but maybe this is even more of a point to say hey look at this small little artist that was on my for you page um that oh, wow. how t- how tiny is she she's really she's really like, small like, like fairy four, size four feet um oh wow that's yeah. really tiny. but i do remember her saying that she made it for a class so mm. art student um so i'll put that name in the in the fucking bio <laughs> and you know go Jesus. go check her out sorry we swear in this podcast um oh my God. door dash is here i'm not done talking about things i'm gonna get <laughs> i'm gonna get the them. door swings open your food is here i chucks the tea I'm at you taking a, i'm taking a break uh, I'm gonna come back. I'll be right back. Okay, we haven't really even started talking know, about, I, but sure. I know we haven't started, and I still have more to say, so sorry. One second. Oh my. Oh my god. Oh my goodness, this fucking oh guy. My god. Oh, it's just me and the hot dog fidget toy. Oh, Andrew's taking a vow of silence until Courtney gets back. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, there he is. Sorry, I didn't know. Um, So I was laughing because I ordered <laughs> double lychee jelly, um, and they didn't mark, like, which one was which on, because Gibby got some, too, um, and they didn't mark which was which, but then I just, I pulled both of them out, and one of them had double the amount of lychee jelly, like, a, a significant amount, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, no, that was easy to figure out. Um, but it was just funny because it's really an obscene amount. Um, and that's why I, I ordered this because my, well, my, no. I'll save that for a plug later. Um, fuck. There we go. Let me take a picture of it because it's beautiful and then I can talk again. What is lychee jelly? Good question. And you know what? And I didn't know either. I thought it was like jello made with lychees or just lychees cut up. It is coconut water fermented. And when coconut water ferments, it turns into a jelly-like consistency. And then you can flavor it with other fruits by like soaking other fruits with it. So they soak lychee with it. Um, it tastes like... It so tastes- I'm... 
Go ahead. Lychees are a fruit. Lychees are a fruit. They're so good. They're like one of my favorite fruits. Okay. You'd love it, Andrew. I learned about them from the Animal Crossing mobile game. Oh, I remember I used to play that a little bit. Yeah, I was like, what's a lychee? Then I found out. And this tea is so good. Okay, I'm ready. So, uh, that game we played a few weeks ago. Don't look at my screen. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to read. You don't need to worry. Ooh, she's peeking. I can't. I, 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 I... <laughs> you can't just put a screen in front of me. I'm like an iPad baby. Okay, so that game we played a few weeks ago that I took from one of the listeners from Hey Riddle Riddle, where you have a movie and then a song, um, and they go into each other using clues. I did that, except it's artist v. artist. So it's a famous, like, history artist, and then it's a famous, like, musical artist. Um, Ah. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy! But not necessarily a. It doesn't have to be a one a singular artist. It can be like a musical group, um, as well. Um, and whichever order I give the clues is the order of like the people that it goes in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's start easy, and then I got some harder ones. Okay. Mhm. Mhm. Impressionist artist who loves water lilies has some fucking problems. Oh. It's mo- <laughs> I like I understand where you're going, but I can't think of the answer. It's well, Monet, but who's the who's the who's the who- So Claude Monet is the first one. Mm. What was the second part again? Impressionist artist who loves water lilies has some fucking problems. Okay. Well, I know the artist, but I can't think of... Wait, I don't know the artist. I'm willing to collaborate here. Yes, I <laughs> want you guys to collaborate. Don't worry. Andrew, who's the... Who's the... Well, it's ASAP Rocky. Ah. So put them together. Claude, Claude, Claude Monet, Monet Sap Rocky. Claude Monet oh, Sap Rocky. Claude Monet. Uh, okay. I Courtney, I loved that. Yeah, right? It was a good one. Okay. Suspected inventor of cubism proclaims that today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. Uh, I'm, I'm who out. Sing, who and does for this Wonderwall? reason, I am out. <laughs> Come on. Helpfully in. Who, who, who sings Wonderwall? Who sings Wonderwall? It's Oasis. Oasis, and then who almost invented cubism? I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell me, too. I don't know this, Courtney. You guys know this. Nope, don't know it. Who invented Eh. (laughs) cubism? What do you mean? You know who invented cubism. I'm going to Google it. Pablo. Picasso Oasis. Pablo Picasso Oasis. Yeah. Okay. Um... I didn't know that, by the way. Sorry. Uh, Indie rock pop artist pays your way in pain by cutting off their left ear. St. Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, yes. nice one. Andrew's like, I don't fucking understand. St. Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> all right, all right. This one's a good one. This is my last one for now. Um, Aw. Hip-hop troublemaker was in... <laughs> <laughs> hip-hop 
Troublemaker was in the 212, creating some of the most talked about political street art. Azalea Banksy. Yes! yes! Nice one. What do you guys think? I was in a 212. I was pretty good. That was good. Right? Was I thought fun. I thought you guys would like that one. I loved that. All right. Thanks. N- now that all my games are over. Aw. Games have ended. Time to work. <laughs> Time to work. Um, I'm ready to present. I'm going to present something today. Yeah. Oh, wait. You're present. Oh. Are you know. presenting? <gasps> no. Oh, okay. Whew. All I right. just don't want to hear you present. Oh, Sorry. My. Oh. I don't blame you. I don't want to. I'm just kidding. I'd love to hear it. Um, Let me take a sip of my juice first. I already finished my Coca-Cola. I have water. I have to chew my lychee. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do a fart to get me ready. <laughs> I myself fart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was imagining. <laughs> Um, so today I'm talking about something quite different than, um, I think we've ever kind of talked about here. I'm not really talking about a single piece. I'm not even really talking about a single movement. (laughs) I'm talking about something even broader than that. Um, and I did a lot of research for like the first half and then the second half, it's really kind of like a lot of audience participation to like choose where we almost like choose your own adventure, like where you want to go with this episode. Um, OMG, yeah, OMG. Yeah, so, um, because I like, I like to get people involved. I don't want to be, I'm pulling everyone down with me. Uh, um, so first whoa, things. wait, what? Huh, what? Sorry. Wait, are we everyone? Yeah, you're everyone. You're pulling us down? Where? Yes, to the depths of hell. Thank God. Oh, all right. Okay, cool. Um, so here we are at hell, the gates of hell. So, of course, the first thing we should talk about is color theory itself, which is exactly what I have it, uh, defined as in my notes, color theory itself. Um, Mm -hmm. so I've unfortunately dealt with a lot of color theories before, um, because, you know, I, I took some art classes, but I don't know if a lot of people know, but I also did a lot of studying, um, of linguistics when I was in college and that uh, the the marriage between linguistics and art lies at the base of color theory um and and the connection between them is very very important um so I'm going to talk about two big color theories really quickly I don't know much so this is very again we are idiots so this is this is very bare bones um but the Berlin K color theory is this really big one that suggests how colors have developed in distinct stages. So, like, and you can kind of measure that in different ways. So, like, the beginning of time, how colors have developed, and also, like, in more, um, like, small spaces of, like, when when people started showing up in China and people started moving into um, the Arctic and, and things like that. Like, when colonies started... And population started how colors kind of became developed. Um, and so this this theory has been studied so many times, and it's been the same pattern in every culture, um, where people first uh, identify black and white, um, which makes sense because that's kind of like the starkest differences, and then it's red, yellow, green, and those get ordered together. So then, then you start getting red, yellow, green. Then you get blue and brown together, and then those last colors that develop are pink, purple, orange, and gray. Um, and so it essentially is saying how, um, 
our brains, all of our brains kind of influence our culture um, in the same way where those are the colors that have been seen. Um, and they're, it's kind of like the universal color theory, essentially. Um, but then the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis is another type of theory that states that language itself um, affects the way that a person thinks. So um, even though everyone's saying black and white and then red, yellow, green, those colors mean different things to different people because it depends on what you call them. Um, so here's a good example. Green is green to us Americans because we were told that green is green. So when you see something green, it's like, that's green because that's what I was told. And when I was in preschool, everyone said, look, it's green. That's green. Um, but in Japan, the traffic light for go, um, is called blue, even though it's the same exact color as our traffic lights here in America. Um, because blue and green are kind of on the like near each other on that spectrum and so blue like blue is encompassed with green in japan Mm. so like for a long time blue and green were the same color um and that's because color is mostly arbitrary so you can do things like that um until you start going to the science of color which then you can color code things which is a whole other can of worms that I will not even try to open. Um, But culturally and linguistic-wise, color's mostly arbitrary. And there was a really cool quote that said, Who in the rainbow can draw the line where the violet tint ends and the orange tint begins? Distinctly, we see the difference of colors, but where exactly does the one first blendingly enter into the other? So with sanity and insanity. Wow. Yeah. And I actually have a pretty profound. I have a pretty cool picture, which I can definitely put on the Instagram. Um, I'll show Leanne here. But essentially, this is in English or um, in like this is in America. Um, This is another culture. And it shows how like our green is here. But like to another culture, their green like is also blue and a little bit of purple and purple to them is black and pink doesn't even exist. Wow. Yeah. So, and again, in every culture, it follows that same pattern. Um, so, am I going to talk any more about signs or linguistic implication of colors today? Fuck no. Uh, don't want to talk about that at all. But I am going to be diving into the softer study of colors, which I like to call the history of colors, mm. um, which I much prefer to talk about because it's much more concrete and we don't have to have any of those big conversations about what is color. Yeah, we don't need any of that. No, not, we're Get too that dumb for that. that Come, on. Come on. but I, I don't need to hear that. I actually really needed that part to explain my next point. Um, so I'm only talking about one color today. So I'm thinking about my color. Can anyone guess what color I'm thinking of? I'm going to say blue. It is blue. That's so... Are you, are you in my head right now? Yep, I am. And <laughs> wow, there's a lot of stuff in here. <laughs> Can you organize it for me? Nope, sorry. I'm actually I'm leaving. Oh. I'm getting out of the head now. <laughs> Door slam. Um. So they they say that colors that aren't found as frequently in nature are the ones that were trickier to replicate within art, which makes complete sense because for a long time to make the colors for paint and other materials, you had to use natural materials. Um, 
So a lot of things were always red or brown or black and, and then eventually green. Um, but I can think of two pretty major things that are found in nature that are blue. Um, okay, wait. Uh, are you, are you, do you want this us to a, guess? Yeah, please. Like that they're making um, the paint out of? Mm-mm. What are we? Just anything in nature that's blue? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I mean, the sky is not really blue, right? But you're Isn't right. Like a, you're right. Okay. The sky. Um. Wow. And. Yeah. The ocean. But, well, the ocean also isn't really blue, right? But you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, I'm seeing blue. Well, the reason the ocean looks blue is just because it's reflecting the color of the sky. Yes. But so, like, let's say you're in kindergarten and you have a box of crayons and they're like, okay, paint the earth. Like, what are you using for the ocean? Blue. Well, I'd use the clear crayon. <laughs> Andrew's just different and quirky. The clear mm-hmm. crayon? <laughs> they don't make a clear <laughs> that, crayon. That just hit you. Oh, not in the packs that you guys were getting, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We were in kindergarten together. Oh. Um, me and Andrew went to me. Oh. <laughs> no, I was at the I was at the one with the clear crayons. <laughs> um, Wait, I had the ones with the clear crayons too. Courtney was just missing out. I was just missing. I was too Aww. busy picking my nose in the corner or something. I don't know. I was an idiot yeah, and child. Then you bullied her too. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone bullied me. No. Um, but yeah, those are two big things in nature, and so. It, it is interesting how they weren't really replicating art for a long, 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 long time. Um, but one of the possibilities was because blue might have not necessarily existed yet within that world because of this color theory. Um, so because of the theory, those things weren't seen as blue yet. And in fact, in Homer's Odyssey, um, they constantly describe the ocean as wine red. So, huh. um, what we see now as blue was then seen as red. That's interesting. I mean, <laughs> Leah's shaking I, I can, her head. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Leah's shaking her head no. What does that mean? So, our color theory from before is saying yes. how, how the colors that existed first were black and white, then red. They didn't exist yet is the thing? Yeah. I, that's the part I couldn't wrap my, as you were saying it, well, I was like, I'm having trouble here. It didn't exist And by that yet. you just mean, yeah. by that you just mean they didn't like have a name for that, right? Like, so it was that their categories were broader. So like in school, when you're little, it's like this crayon is blue and this crayon's yellow. But back then it was like, let's say you hold up blue and yellow, it'd be like, these crayons are red. Like th- these are still red because the color is a spectrum. And so the spectrum bands were just like there was less words for them so like black took up half of the things and yeah back then there were two colors it was wine red and charcoal black (laughs) yeah the ocean doesn't look like but blue was red back then oh yeah okay (laughs) i clicked so see like this picture so like green is blue (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, but so yeah, so blue didn't show up for a long, 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 long time. But we do know from our color theory that it is um short. It's not too long after red. It's kind of long. So so it goes black, white, red, yellow, green, blue, brown. 
Um, and Blue and Brown showed up at the same time together. So, now it's my turn to talk about, well, when, when the fuck did Blue show up? What's up with this Blue? I'm scrolling. Because I need these pictures to help me. Scrolling, she's scrolling. scrolling. This she's is the scrolling. scrolling noise. This is the noise that happens when she's scrolling. Um, she's still scrolling, I think. I think she's still scrolling. I wanted she's like a date. Like I wanted a date from exactly when it came about, but it seems like it might have been 1750 BC. Oh, wait. That's a long time ago. 2000 2000 BC ish. 2002 2002 is when they it's a long time ago but if you think about like the existence of everything like well that's not that long ago yeah yeah i guess i just i don't i'm not that whole time you know it it was it's all fuzzy back then um you know i don't really remember all that stuff back then but i don't how long have people been around like (laughs) that's a great question but i want you to know that The first piece of art that was ever found was around 40,000 BC. Okay, so a very long time. So that was like the first art, and then 2000 BC, so like 38,000 years later is when Blue showed up. Mm. 38,000 years, yeah. No, that's crazy. Um, So let's talk about first Blue ever. Um, Any guesses on which culture kind of brought blue to the forefront i'm going to take a little swing at it i'm going to say that it was an asian culture nice guess nice guess it wasn't (laughs) um all right i'll pack it up it was the egyptians so I don't know if you've ever heard of Egyptian blue, um, but that is a that is a true blue Egyptian blue. It's definitely in the crayon box. All of these are you're gonna find in your crayon box. You're gonna find in your paints um, because their names have not changed. Um, so Egyptian blue is our first blue, um, also known as Copro Rivate. Um, don't know if I said that right, but it was made from limestone mixed with sand and a copper containing mineral um, like malachite which was heated between 1470 and 1650 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and when that happened, you were able to make a blue glass. And then the blue glass had to be crushed. And when it was combined with a thickening agent, such as an egg, um, then you could make a paint. Which is insane. The amount of work, one, to even figure that out, to even realize like this exact... <laughs> number to heat it between oh we gotta put an egg in it <laughs> yeah like like the fact i thought it would be done after heating it up but no you just make glass and then you have to break the glass down and then you can make make a paint or glaze they're just messing <laughs> That's around so insane isn't this crazy um and so they used it to paint ceramic statues um paint tombs of the pharaohs so if you like think of what you've learned about egypt Egypt when you're little and like King Tut and everything if you picture their their tomb like I picture it golden blue I do too yeah and that was the first time they were using blue ever and and ever isn't that insane to think about that's wild 
Right, right. We, uh, we should try making blue like that one day. Yeah, let's. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'll talk a little bit more why we might not want to do this. Um, oh. Oh, is it gonna be toxic? <laughs> it's gonna be a little toxic. It's gonna be deadly. We're gonna be honest. <laughs> um, oh man. So this color, Egyptian blue, and it's kind of like a like. I'll show Leanne. It's it's. Oh. Oh, is that? Oh. It's a. It's like a robin's egg blue, almost a, a baby dusty. blue. Yeah. Oh, that's very pretty. Um, yeah, and so this specific color of blue was really popular until the end of the Greco-Roman period. We're we're entering AD times, um, like 395 AD when things started to change. But I did want to mention um, that the Egyptian blue glows under fluorescent lights, um, which proves that it's emitting infrared radiation. I was just going to say that sounds bad. Yeah, so if you ever are, you know, <laughs> evacuating any tombs in Egypt, um, the odds of you being around a lot of radiation is high. Um, but they said it was very helpful because it was really easy for historians to identify the colors on artifacts um, when it wasn't visible to naked eyes because they just put it under this light and it would glow. And they're like, oh, it's got blue on it. <laughs> um, but that's not great for everyone. Um Mm-mm. Ready for our next shade of blue? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Next one is ultramarine, which you might have heard of before. Ultramarine blue. Oh, I love her. Uh, I've heard of aquamarine. Ooh. Ooh, good movie. Ultramarine is our second blue <laughs> and maybe my favorite blue. I don't want to speak too soon. Um, I bet if I look up ultramarine, it will show me a paint color. Mm, yeah. If you look up ultramarine, Ooh. it looks just like really blue. I don't. That's deep. That's rich. Oh, rich blue. Um, so let's talk about ultramarine. Mm. This might be one of my favorites to talk about. Um, so it began around six thousand years ago. So it's a lot later. Um, and it was made from this gemstone that is one of my favorite gemstones called lapis lazuli. Um, which was a very well-regarded gemstone. It was used a lot in religious art, um, like the motifs of the gemstone. Like, for some reason, it reminds me of uh, Mary Magdalene. I think that they have some type of connection to each other, or it might be because she wears blue, and it's supposed to be lapis lazuli blue. Um, The Egyptians tried to turn lapis lazuli into a paint, but it kept coming out as gray. Um, they couldn't make it into a paint, so they used it to make jewelry instead, and you can still get a lot of jewelry with lapis lazuli in it today. Um, but then in the 6th century, in Afghanistan, when people were making Buddhist paintings, they successfully made this blue into a paint from this lapis lazuli, and they named it ultramarine, which means beyond the sea. So it was like even deeper than the sea is what they were kind of saying. Um, and then it was imported to Europe by Italian traders. And that's kind of where it really took off. This was a big deal in Europe, this color, but lapis lazuli again is a precious gemstone. It comes as, as a, at a very fucking high price. Um, so people could only use it if they were wealthy and it was just as expensive as gold. So using ultramarine, a true ultramarine made with lapis lazuli was like, like, oh my God, you're painting gold. Like you're, you, you don't waste that. Um, I think one of the most famous paintings of where it uses this true ultramarine is Girl with a Pearl Earring by Vermeer. Um, and 
uh, I from this website that I'm using, um, it seems like Vermeer actually pushed his family into debt by painting so much with this color. Um, Jesus. Because it was that expensive. Um, And then luckily in 1826, a French chemist um, made a synthetic ultramarine and it was renamed to French ultramarine. Um, And so people could get it easily and accessible and at a much, much, much cheaper price. Um, And also has a fun fact here that art historians said that Michelangelo left one of his paintings unfinished because he could not afford to buy more ultramarine blue as well. Wow. Which sounds like him, because he left a lot of projects because he uh, couldn't couldn't afford to. But the Pope kind of screwed him. We know about that. Um, who's ready for my next... Any questions about ultramarine? No, but I'm just thinking about, like, when's the last time we got a new color? Like, when was the last <laughs> Ooh, time we, new- were, we were, like here and someone was like yo new color just dropped new blue or new color new color just new color every year we got a new we got a new color i think last year really Mm -hmm. because if you again because a color theory like it's a it's a chemical balance of pigments so like a blue can be deeper than another blue and you can measure that by like i forget how you measure color but there's a measurement like like the like it can be like deeper by like a fraction. Yes, than yeah. Would be a do. So okay, yeah, that makes sense. People have been fighting to make the blackest black for like the past five or six years, and every year they're like making a blacker black, and it's like more matte and more flat. Um, so it's crazy. But the the newest blue I will mention, and it was not too long ago. So, but you ready for the next blue? Yeah, let's hear it. I think the next blue is going to be the most common. I think you guys are going to be like, yeah, of course, duh. And they're just going to get more common after this. Um, co- co- cobalt blue. Yeah. Co- cobalt blue. I feel like... I mean, <laughs> I've definitely heard that, but I don't know what that looks like. That's okay. We'll, we'll do looks later. Well, I guess we're kind of doing looks when I say, like, look at this painting. But um, cobalt, I feel like when you're you know, buying a pack of paints, if there's going to be a blue in it, it's probably going to be um, cobalt blue. This is from the 8th and 9th centuries, and it was mostly used at first for ceramics and jewelry, especially in China, where it was used in distinctive blue and white pattern porcelain. So if you're thinking of Chinese porcelain with all those pretty flower designs, with, like that white with that blue, that bright blue, that's a little bit of cobalt blue. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then um, a, like, synthetic-made version was later discovered by another French chemist. I guess the French were really just grinding them out because, well, if you think about it, all these painters in France were like, we want to be on the go. We want to paint skies and stuff. Can you make this in, like, cheap, fast little tubes? Um, so they made a, um, a new cobalt blue that was easy, easily accessible. Um, the painting that they involve this with is a Renoir, um, the Skeef. Um, but honestly, most of, a lot of Van Gogh has cobalt blue. Um, anything with like a, if you're going to make a sky, it was like use cobalt, you know? So a lot of, a lot of impressionist paintings with, with skies. Um, next one's a really good one too. Any guesses? Is it still a blue? Um, We're all doing only blues. Navy blue. Not navy blue, but we will get to navy blue. Baby blue. Royal blue. No, no royal blues. No. Dang. Um, next one, cerulean. Oh. Mhm. Cerulean. 
so cerulean blue um was used with cobalt magnesium and tin oxide so it's kind of like a branch off of our cobalt blue this painting was not available until 1860 um and it was sold first in a tube like immediately in a tube there was no like pre-tube life it had (laughs) tube life only and actually in 1999 um Pantone released it as the color of the millennium, the oh. hue of the future. Um, of the millennium? Of the How millennium. How do they decide that? <laughs> they get to say all. Well, if you think about it, it is pretty cool. It's like, they're like, no, we're not going to try this blue out. Put it in the tubes. We're selling that shit. We don't even have to see. So this is a cerulean Monet. You're thinking Monet? Cerulean. That's beautiful. Yeah. It, this was like, they were like, this is a sky blue. This is a true sky blue. I agree with them. So that's um, that's a little cerulean. Next one, we're getting into some American-related art styles. Any guesses on a very American-type blue? Um, no. <laughs> this is like the most American blue I can think of. I feel like I learned about this in middle school. We're talking about indigo. Oh, oh, jeans. Yep, jeans. We're going about. We're going to jeans. So this is c- pretty cool because they grew this crop called Indigofera tinctoria, and it was like, holy shit! You break you, you turn this into a dye, and it's blue, which is crazy because we were saying how like not much occurs naturally in blue besides the sky and the ocean. This plant's really fucking blue. It's indigo, um, and that's you know they dyed jeans with it. But you think of all the other art you can dye with this. Um, so it was most, you know, again, most popular for textiles. So other textiles like blankets, sheets, um, you know, clothing, like other types of clothing, which is still used for that today. Um, and, but they also learned that they can bioengineer that same plant to make bio indigo, which essentially is what our genes are dyed with today. So our genes are not anymore dyed with that plant. Which I think we all knew, probably. Yeah, but that's sad. Yeah, definitely sad. Um, then we move into our, what you said, mentioned earlier, Andrew. Our, what Remember what blue you said? Navy blue? Navy blue. And guess how you make navy blue? Um, you take indigo and you do something with it. Yes, genius. What? You take indigo and you dye it multiple, 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 multiple times so you get a darker blue. Um, so it's navy blue. It's actually originally called marine blue. So if you've heard of marine blue, but then they turned like marine to navy because it was worn by, by na- the navy. I uh, guess that makes okay, sense. Okay, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, I was like, why, what is there, are they going to do Air Force Blue now? Like, what? Ooh, interesting you but said that. that makes sense. Because they did. Is that a real thing? Yeah. That's a real wow. thing. <laughs> One of the variations of Navy, Navy Blue is called Space Cadet Blue. <laughs> um, Space Cadet Blue? Space Cadet. And it's, it is a color, I'm pretty sure, in Crayola's crayons. Um, it's called Space Cadet. It was made in 2007, and this is the hue that they use for... The cadets in space in space navy, which <laughs> space navy, um, which du- I'm not joking is not a real thing, but is a real thing in color theory. The space, no space navy, space navy is a fictionary fictional military service. Um, I mean, there's a space force though. Like, isn't yeah. there actually a space force? Like. 
I feel like there's some so. hidden like truth to this, but there the color does exist. It's called Space Cadet. Um and it's a variation of our navy. Oh. So but that's really weird that you did mention that because I was like, well, I was just about to say. You you'd be right. We got another blue coming up. You ready for another blue? We got I think we Whoa, got about more blues. We got three more blues to go through. Okay? Okay. Prussian brew. Prussian brew. Prussian brew. Prussian blue. We're going back in time a little bit. This is a little bit older than what we were just talking about. We're going back to the 1800s. Um, this is one of my favorites, actually. This might be my favorite blue. Hard to tell for sure. This is kind of crazy. So in Germany, this dude, he was trying to make a new red color. Classic mistake. His his material comes into contact with animal blood by accident. You know, classic animal blood laying around in the lab. Um, and when it mixed with that that pigment, it turned vibrant blue. So he was like, whoa, I was trying to make red, but turns out this makes a vibrant blue color. And that blue color got picked up by two very, very famous artists that have popularized popularized it sorry i'm drunk off the boba um popularized it so much i feel like it's the like almost like the the commercialism for blue um any guesses on which two artists it's okay if you don't know their names any any guesses just about like if you're thinking blue art what are you thinking what are you thinking what was what was the time period 1800s there yeah you know, I can't think. There was there was an artist who had like a blue period. Yes, right? yes, you're on it. You've got it. And I can't think of. You who couldn't it think was, of his name but, earlier either. Cubism. Uh, oh my God, it's P- Picasso. Picasso in the blue period, he used Prussian blue. That was his blue period. Only used Prussian blue. Any other? There's one other famous artist who I I don't think you'll know his, their name, but very famous piece. Um, Someone with the ocean. Oh, it, it's that. Oh, is it the wave? Yeah, the, 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 two for oh two, Andrew. I, I can't think of the name. That's though. okay. And it's not. That's not actually called the wave. It's right? called the Great Wave. Is oh okay, the Great Wave. The Great. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't think of the name mm-hmm. though. Yeah, um, both used Prussian blue, mm. and this. I think this is gonna be the coolest part. You're gonna love this. Um, so there was an astronomer back to space, you know, space has a lot to do with color too. I didn't know. Um, but he, he loved Prussian blue. He loved the fact that it was used in these art pieces. Um, and he was like, it, it like reflects light differently. He was like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't have as much reflection. It's pretty matte here. I'll show Leanne what the pigment looks like. It's very like flat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> That's wh- silly. Which is kind of what made it kind of very interesting to artists. And he was like, I I feel like this is really good for, like, drawing on, um, like, astronomy stuff. And so he started using it for his pieces of paper, and that is where we get blueprints from. My jaw is hanging open. Mm-hmm. So blueprints use Prussian blue. Uh, yep, yep. So, oh, and also it has a little fun fact <laughs> today. Prussian blue is used in a pill form to cure metal poisoning. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, what? Next, we have international Klein blue. I wasn't going to make anyone guess that because I really hadn't heard of this. 
this man, y- Yves, Yves Klein, wanted to pursue the color of the sky. He was like, everything's great. I get it. It's really close to sky blue, but it's not. The, there, No one's got it yet. So he wanted to make a matte version of ultramarine and have the bluest blue of all blues. So 1947, he started working to make this blue color. Um, I don't even remember how he made it. I didn't write anything down. But he started painting it on a bunch of canvases, just, like, the only thing he put on there was, like, that color blue. He was painting people with it, um, which kind of became its own art exhibit in itself. So if you ever see, like, just, like, a canvas that's just painted this, like, very vibrant blue, and it's, like, you know, when people are like, that's not art, that's him painting his blue on things. Um, It's in museums and everything. And he was trying to make a blue that has no dimensions, he said it's beyond dimensions. Um, it doesn't need this, like, 2D, 3D world. It's, like, beyond that. That's just, like, the sky. I don't know. Whatever. Are you ready for our last blue? Please. Let's hear the last blue. Take a guess on what year this blue was made. Um, is it, So is it going to be, like, a recent, like, is it literally the most recent blue? Most recent blue. I don't um, want to say because I think I'm, I know. Because I was Googling new colors. I'm going to say 2017. Oh, okay. I like your guess. It was made commercialized in 2016. Mm. So you're close Whoa. there. But the shade was accidentally made in 2009. Oh. Uh-huh. So, um,. It was made in Oregon State University by accident. They were exploring new materials for making electronics, and someone heated something up by accident and turned to bright blue. It's named <laughs> YLNMN Blue um, because it's named after its chemical makeup of yttrium, inium, and magnesium. Um, and when they released the pigment for, they and yeah, so now the pigment's out. Um, if terrible you, name for the blue. I know. Just I was. I was the, really upset. Name. I was really upset. And just recently, as of like, maybe the past two years, it has officially been added to the Crayola crayon collection. Oh. Right next to the clear well, <laughs> crayon. <laughs> right next to the clear crayon. This cra- This color blue though is like the best way I can describe it is like a neon blue. Like I know technically blue can't be neon, but if blue could be neon, it would be this color. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's vibrant. Yeah, it's it's a very neon blue tone. So, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, I'm almost done here. I want to talk a little bit more about some blue things and just how this relates to art in general because we talked a lot about colors. First, anyone have a guess? I'm, I'm, talk- I'm going to do a, a real blue painting, the Starry Night. Right? Starry Night's, okay. like, mostly blue, right? Yeah. Anyone want to guess what what colors of blue were is um, Starry Night's made of? There's two. I'm I'm gonna say Prussian blue. Mm, no Prussian. Ah, oh, god damn it! No. It's a little earlier than Prussian. Um, I've forgotten all the other ones. The only other one I can remember is navy blue. <laughs> all I got is cobalt. Cobalt is one of them. Indi- <gasps> uh, indigo. Not indigo. Earlier than indigo. We're thinking like... Oh, God like, If you think about like the Impressionists. Cobalt was like oh, their uh, perfect sky right, blue. Uh, Prussian blue. 
<laughs> ultramarine. Ultramarine, yeah. Cobalt ah, was the sky. Damn they're impressionist. Ultramarine, if you think about it, Cobalt was like their perfect sky blue and Ultramarine was their perfect ocean blue. So those two colors in impressionist art were like, those were the two blues that everyone was using. So Starry Night, fun fact, now you know, you can go around and be like, that's Ultramarine and Cobalt blue. Um, and those are really the only two blues there because there's not that many blues. You might think there's a lot of blues, but people are just adding a little bit of other stuff into those blues. Um, at the essence, it's just those blues. So why does this all fucking matter? Why does this color matter? Why does any color matter? I mean, of course we know why color is important, but artists have been commercializing and utilizing the fact that different colors make people feel different ways. Um, which, you know, it can affect the mood of their art. I mean, the fact that Pablo Picasso had a blue period because he was feeling sad, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that checks out. Um, and symbolism can also make people feel different ways. And so some cultures will use blue as a way to be like, this is a, this is a royal color. So the Egyptians thought of blue as like a royalty color, um, versus like, in Europe, blue was a lot of times related to Catholicism and Mary Magdalene and her veil and was like a sad, somber color. Um, so it means different things in different places. And so the way you use it is super important. It also can elicit various reactions, especially if you're using blue inappropriately, if that makes sense. So like if you... Ex- no, that doesn't make sense. If you expect an apple to be red and you see it in a painting and it's painted blue, it like it's like shocking. It's like, that should be red, even though red and blue used to be the same color way, 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 way long ago. Um, so blue and branding, this is this was really interesting to me because Catholicism, blue means sad. But for some reason, in America, blue is a, considered a non-feeling color. So it brings no positive reactions and it brings no negative reactions. So well, I mean, I I definitely imagine that most people would would associate blue with sad. Right. That's that's what I was thinking too. Especially inside out. I mean, inside out, the blue, the sad one's blue. Yeah. Right. And who's gonna argue with that? I, exactly. There's literally a saying like, "You're feeling blue." Feeling blue. That's literally what I titled my document today. My docu series today. <laughs> but if you think about branding, Facebook, Twitter. LinkedIn. Others. <laughs> Wait. Uh, GE, American Express, Nivea, Dove, Unilever, one of the biggest companies. Waze. Waze. Um, Insane Aquarium. Ticketmaster. Google has a lot of blue. Uh, Dutch Rodeo Bros. Rodeo Stampede. <laughs> uh, Zoom. Aquafina. Desani. Discord. Gap. Chase. Indeed. Venmo. Dell. PayPal, Intel, like Dropbox, Venmo, yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at my phone and rattling off apps. And even though there's like the weather app, there's like a lot of other colors too. Of course, like it's like you could you could li- make a list about any colors. Like you, it's way rarer to see like yellow advertisement. Even yeah, though yellow, right. even Snapchat. though yellow, well, okay, we can name a few, but yellow is associated Genius. with happy, and orange is associated with happy. But there's rarely any like orange or red pepsi sorry i'm thinking blue ikea sorry blue uh, is corporate well ikea is also blue and yellow you know so. oh that's i'm swedish i know you gotta <gasps> whoa 
my fingers. I got one more thing I want to talk about today, and I, it's like a little teaser to my next time I talk, or like next time I decide to talk about this topic. Yes. Okay. I really wanted to talk about my, one of my favorite artists ever when I'm talking about Baloo. And anyone want to take a guess? You could try. Um, favorite artist ever. And talking about Blue, I'm going to have to say that one dude who uh, takes the pictures by the wall with the balloons that spell out things. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I'm gonna edit one of. Oh, I'm gonna edit one of those. Oh. I'm gonna say something bad for our podcast. I'm excited. That's a good. Thank you for enlightening me. Uh, um, Matisse. Oh, and you know what? If I uh, sat on that long enough, I would have said it. Matisse. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I and I I could talk about Matisse forever, and that's why I'm not gonna do it right now. But he used blue a lot. Um, specifically, if you think of, I think one of maybe his most known, well known pieces is his. However, you say blue nudes in French. Um, they. New, new blue, new bleu. However you speak French, new bleu. What? Blue nudes. New bleu. New blue nudes in French is N U, and then like the word blue in French, bleu, bleu, bleu. I don't know. Um, but I'm gonna show Leanne a picture of the blue nudes. You can look it up, Andrew. Blue nudes, Henry Matisse. Those are blue nudes. I feel like I'm not gonna get what you're. You Type will, in Henry Matisse after. <laughs> I'm sure Just if you... How do I spell that? Um, H-E-N-R-I-M-A-T-I-S-S-E. I think if you typed in Blue Nudes, though, you'd get it, too. Uh, I feel like I've seen this. Yes, right? It's It was kind of picked up a lot by commercialism as well, and so I feel like this is the most... I feel like this is widely known by him. Um, slightest background on this piece Henry, for a long time, was known as an Impressionist. You know, he was kind of up there with all those Impressionists until early 1900s. He kind of switched over to this art movement that he created called Fauvism. Fauvism. Um, F-A-U-V-I-S-M. I could talk about Fauvism forever, um, but I won't today. But essentially, what that looked like was kind of more abstract-related Impressionist art, where th- color was vibrant and flat objects were flat things were 2d none of this impressionism where you're getting this depth and like literal paint layered on top of each other it was very flat and very like that looks 2d even if it is a 3d object um which i think henry Matisse kind of really became famous for you know he had the the cutouts where he has like leafs leaf prints and um even the people dancing in a circle um those were all fairly flat this is very flat, even though it's a 3D woman, essentially. Um, and this is literally cut out. So he made a lithograph. The blue part's a lithograph, and he cut it out, and he put it on paper. Um, what was really crazy was that he had just... Hen- Henry was sick. He had cancer. He had just finished surgery, and they told him he probably wouldn't be able to walk anymore. His mobility was severely limited, um, and he really could only pick up scissors. So... All of these pieces, I think he made, like, nearly 600 of these, I'm pretty sure, um, cut out by hand. Um, 
And to create the, the most famous one, it was not fast. It took him two weeks of studying the human body, studying how people sat, um, and studying the color blue. Um, because he wanted it to be so flat, he needed the flattest color blue. Um, so he was testing different blues, and he just he wanted that, that matte background. Um, but I can't find what blue he used. I think I just lost Andrew. I'm here. Andrew said Hello? I'm here. Hold I lost on. him. Court, uh, we're, 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 do you want him? No. She hates me. No, don't say that. He said she hates me. <laughs> she put her little headphone into charge. She's chewing on some leech leechy. That was a bad. Okay, so that was a you can run that back. You can try that again. Hey, <laughs> hey, lychee. You got it's it. Getting, oh, a lychee, lychee, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, so yeah, I can't find out what blue he used. So this is my plea to you and everyone. Um, can you help me figure out what? color blue henry matisse used for his blue nudes because he said it's got to be flat it's got to be flatter than flat um because i want no depth and all the depth at the same time essentially is what he was saying um this was the matte one you were talking about do you remember the little pile of shavings in that picture or no well but that that showed up in the like late 1900s oh i mean it could it could be him because he was like you know in i mean he was alive in the 1900s but it seems like it was, like, too hard for him to access. Like, it would have been, like, almost, like, made at the same time he was making these. Like, yeah. you would have had to have, like, front row tickets, I feel like, to that color. Um, he did not. No. I feel like it must be ultramarine. In my in my head and my heart, it's telling me it's ultramarine. But I really just want, I want that security in knowing which color blue he used. And I feel like it should be more widely available for me to know that because there was there's limited amount of blues especially that artists are working with and it, that his whole thing was making them blue so like it should be a bigger deal so the government is hiding blues from us the government doesn't want us to know what henry matisse used oh also this was his last piece before he died of a heart attack M- not that long after so like what what is it? What blue is it? Who can I find? Who can I hunt down to tell me about this blue? Only he knew. He died with the information. Literally. We have to build a time he made machine. His, he, he made a new blue mm-hmm. for the... He, he, he discovered the, <gasps> the flattest, <gasps> most matte blue, uh, used it, and then died with the information. My mind is blown. Should we make a blue? Aww. We could try to make a blue. A glue. <laughs> we we could try to make glue. We, we could try, try to make, make a clear crayon. <laughs> they already exist, apparently. No, I'm googling it. Yeah, I I've can't been, find I've it. I've been using them. What? No. Oh, I lost them again. Ah. Uh, well, lost. Yeah. What was lost? What Courtney once lost was lost? Courtney lost you again. Tell now me when you stop talking, and found. I'll say things without being able to hear him. <laughs> she wants me to start talking. No, she said, "Tell me when he stops talking, and then I'll start talking." Yeah, I'm going to say uh, stuff without listening to him. What if I never stop talking? I just won't stop talking. He's, I'll continue talking. He's actively talking, but he said, what if I and never stop talking? I'm, and now he's I'm still talking. continue talking. <laughs> Courtney will never get the chance. I didn't use the soundboard at all tonight. 
you, you made several farts. <laughs> That's it, though. That's, like, nothing. Um, I wanted to say that I, I just want to say that I never, like, really appreciated the color blue. I, until recently, I really didn't like to wear blue, and I'm starting to really appreciate it, and I'm wearing a navy sweatshirt right now, and I have bought more blue items, um, and I, I just... I want to give a shout out to Blue. Let's give a round of applause for Blue. Woo! Let's go Blue. Just like the Smurfs. Oh. Okay, Boo. Boo. I'm the back. Boo <laughs> Big old wet um, fart. I think this is Boo. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, seven is boo. Um, okay. Let's wrap this bitch up. Yeah. Who, who wants to talk? I mean, <laughs> who wants to say what they've what? been into? What's tickling your bungle? Uh, I've been listening to the huh? the <laughs> podcast. Uh, it's called Violating Community Guidelines. It's Sarah Shower and Brittany Broski. <laughs> I've been listening to that a lot. That's a good name for a podcast. It's funny. It's good. I recommend checking it out. Um, oh, and then speaking of Brittany Broski, I've watched twice now, uh, the entirety of the Netflix show, Is It Cake? Um, we chose to view it as a satire. It was, oh, you laughed, you cried. There's a person for everybody. There is a baker that everyone can relate to. Um, I I highly recommend it's called, Is It Cake? You can't miss it. It's on Netflix. You might miss it. But Have to re-say the name. <laughs> as, as if they need me to plug it. Um, George, George and I tried it out, and we just could not. You, it just did not. You hit. have to stick it out past the first episode. I swear. It gets better. Oh, my God. And then we're going to watch the second episode, and it's going to be like, Andrew, trust me. You have to watch the third episode. No, and you either get trust it or you don't. Me. And I got it. And we got it. I don't get it. I'm so passionate about it. I was this. hooked. I was hooked halfway through the second episode. That's where it took I it took me that long and then I was hooked. And now I'm I was hooked. The the first episode was so unappealing to me that I just don't even want to try it. That's okay. That's ever okay. Ever again. Well, what do you have to plug? Yeah. What do you enjoy? Yeah, what, what do you I enjoy? Have to plug? Yeah. Oh, you want to hear what oh, I enjoy? I hope you're going to mention a little something. Uh, yeah, I will mention. I will mention that. Okay, good. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so there's a new Kirby game out, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. I've been playing a lot of that. Um, so that's really fun. I'm trying to trying to 100. I heard it was I'm too easy. Right now. No, listen. There's this. There's this. All right, and let me set the record straight right now. Let me. Let me. Let me fucking. You better listen up, you all the losers listening who are, are shitting on Kirby. Let me tell you something. Kirby is not like, obviously Kirby is like, it's a relatively easier game. It's a kid's game. You know, it's like, it has some easier parts, but there's like some stigma that like Kirby is one of the easiest game series ever. And that's simply not true. I simply won't be having it. I've been playing these games all my life and I've gone back and played some of the older games. Those games are difficult. And this game really is like not, I mean, it's not it's not a cakewalk. It's a little easy, but the game is, you know, it has some challenge to it. And 
it might not be necessarily within the main story, but then there's a post game that it gets really hard. There's some mini games that are actually part of the game um, and part of 100%ing it that get extremely challenging. And trust me, I'm on the Kirby <laughs> subreddit. There, people, people go nuts when they figure out these things. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't like you know there there are parts of it that are easy, and it definitely starts out really easy. But that's because you know it's getting you used to the whole thing. Like I, I, it's not, it's not the easiest game ever. There, I said it. You said a lot. <laughs> it's time yeah, to love, I'm real you love about Kirby. It. The Kirby I love stigma. Kirby. Um. Anyway, other than that, uh, I've been listening to uh, the Wine About It podcast from Maya Higa yeah. and Cutie Cinderella. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, long podcasts. Uh, but it's fun. I like hearing their stories. Um, and third and last of all, um, Hans Tober. Yeah. Recently, I don't know if you, uh, if you listeners know about it. Hans Tober, my my podcast that I did last October, uh, uh, an episode every single day. Um, it recently got a huge spike. You're blowing in up, baby. You're no blowing way. up. Yeah, recently really, really blew up. Uh, it could just be like a temporary thing. I don't know what happened. Something, some, someone or something somewhere plugged uh, this show, my show, and like literally like doubled the amount of listeners. In, more in than a doubled in a day. Uh, more than doubled the yeah. amount of listeners That's crazy. in a day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, check that out. You know, help run those numbers up. I, I re- actually, right before this, I recorded like an ad um, for Art Farts to put and put it into every single episode. That's um, a good so, man. You know, That's a good so man. people who are listening to that might be, might hear about Art Farts and then come to here. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, go check that out. You know, help me out. Give me some pennies. Get it. That is our best friend. Okay. Is it my turn? Yeah. That's your turn. Um, I'm pulling up my phone. <laughs> um, I, first off, I would love to to plug um, getting bubble tea with lychee, lychee jelly. Um, I The other day at the bubble tea place, I said, surprise me. And they gave me this exact drink that I'm drinking right now. And I said, oh, my God, this is life changing. And I, I went and ordered like maybe three this past week. This This is my third. Um, it's so good. It's just so yummy. Branch out when, at your bubble tea place. I was getting tarot every time. I branched out. I will not regret it. I, I have not regretted it so far. Um, can you still hear Andrew? I can't tell if he's not talking or if yeah. I, okay. Um, there he is. Um, here I am. And then I, I'm going to plug everyone to follow my, uh, my dad on Letterboxd. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not going to tell him that, um, I'm doing this. So he'll just get a random, maybe a few random followers. Um, and I'm sure it'll make him feel really great. He, this is so up his alley. His name is We Caught Walter. Walter's W-A-L-T-E-R. Um, it is a quote from the movie on Golden Pond. And within like... Like, within maybe 12 hours, he logged 95 movies and reviewed 27 of them. Um, 
So with full on little little blurbs for all of them, they are all so funny. Um, I don't think he realizes how funny they are, but he's been getting likes on some of them. So so go go give him a follow, like some of his stuff. He won't know what's happening. He probably won't realize that you're doing that, but um, he gives every almost everything five stars. So <laughs> that's that's my plugs. I love that. Well, you made plugs, it. Yeah, good plugs. You made it to the end of the show. We made it to the end of the show. We made it to the end of the show. All of us, even you. You know what? You know what they say at the end of the show. You know what we say at the end of the show. And I lost Andrew, so I don't know what he's going. You're he's not saying anything yet. What do we say at the end of the show? Muppet basketball. I don't know what <gasps> we say at the end of the show. Goodbye, everybody. Muppet basketball. Oh, Muppet basketball, everyone. Oh, Courtney just hit the boo button. Fart. Oh. And I'm out.